Abba Father, thank you for the love that you show us. Thank you for the way that you are faithful. We declare your love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. And we thank you so much for steadfast love. Um, you are a good father right now. Would you open up our hearts, please? Uh, our ears would be tuned into you. Our hearts, our minds focused on you, setting all the distractions aside. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This is Hebrews 11, and I'm going to read just a really small passage. This is verses 29 to 31. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the harlot, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. All right. A simple text with some fascinating things in it. I want you to look at this. Some of you have really critical minds and you get history. There's something kind of blatantly obvious in this. Do you notice anything about the text? Anything unusual? Anything at all? Strikes your attention. You history buffs. What's that? Certainly, yeah, that theme, yeah, by faith, which is critical to the entire <coughs> chapter. What do, you, what do you remember about the generation of people that just came through the Passover? They went through the Red Sea, and then what did they do for 40 years? Claim, moan about it. <laughs> Thank you. They're, they're, we're just going to do the offering now. We're done. We got it. So... Uh, and they spent 40 years wandering around and complaining in the wilderness. And what happened to that generation, Joe? Killed all. They were all killed off. Did you notice that that entire generation is completely skipped? There's not a single reference to those people. It's just quietly skipped over. So, so here's an idea that I want you to, to just think about. It's interesting who God talks about. In Revelation, in Revelation, certainly in Revelation, but in Hebrews 11, but it's also interesting who God is not talking about. Why God is so quiet? You know, for example, in Deuteronomy 8, when it comes to this generation that wandered in the wilderness, it's probably about 845 to 1405 BC when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Check this out. Deuteronomy says this, all the commandments that I am commanding you today you should be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. They went through a 40-year testing period and failed the test. An entire generation of people an entire, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. The generation that left, the adults that left the uh, Egypt and the, the enslavement that is represented by Egypt, 
They went through the Red Sea and spent 40 years just wandering and questioning whether God is worth following or not. Why, if you, if you look at the, I think, three characteristics that are definitive for the people that wandered for 40 years and had no faith is that they're bitter and they're negative and they're faithless. Joe, you nailed it. They're bitter. Uh, a Greek word for that is, is cardiosclerosis. Literally in Greek, hardening of the heart is, is literally what it means. And it's a real problem. They had a hard heart. We, would, in our modern vernacular, would call it bitterness. They were just bitter. And they were negative. Have you ever known someone that has a negative spirit? Can, can, do you guys have the skill sets to find something wrong with anything? Can you do that? Can you find something wrong with anything? You get the right attitude, and you can, you can scrutinize, and you can do critical surgery, and become nitpicky, and you can find something wrong with anything or anyone, and it is driven by a bitter spirit and a negative, complaining spirit. And that kind of person becomes faithless. Now, here's what is, here's what is heartbreaking about that generation that God, quite frankly, says nothing about. He chooses to not talk about them. These are the people that witnessed the ten plagues of Egypt. They saw Moses through Yahweh come up against the Egyptian gods, and they watched the ten plagues play out, including the last plague of the, of the Passover and the taking of the firstborn. They're, they're the ones, this generation walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. This is the generation that saw water pour from a rock that quenched roughly 1.5 to 2 million people. These are the ones that ate manna in the wilderness that fell from heaven and was something like a, a wafer with honey in it. That's probably where Kellogg's got the idea for a Pop-Tart. That's just a guess. These are the ones that looked at a cross with a bronze serpent on the cross and were healed. That single event prefigures the cross of Christ. That when you look at Jesus and you look at him on the cross crucified for you, for me, that we know healing. They saw all those miracles and were faithless. Now, check this out. I think it's a curious thing that Christians, those who claim to follow God, can spend so much time and so much effort convincing themselves that sin is wrong and the consequences aren't worth the pleasures. I find that curious. And here's, here's simply why I find it curious. How long does it take us to kind of settle up on the issue of devotion? How, how, how hard is it? You ready? Can we, can we cut to the chase, my dear family? How hard is it to figure it out that it's really worth it to serve God? How hard is it to figure that out? How is it that we who claim the name of Jesus, Christians spend so much time, so much energy just wrestling with whether or not we can get away with this and do this or do that or, or something and, and trying to wrestle if the consequences are worth the pleasure. How is it that we Christians can spend so much time on that? What's going on inside our hearts? 
can I, can I be the prophet, the lonely prophet crying in the wilderness? Would you please be careful with bitterness? Please. It is rottenness in the bones. A joyful heart is healing. Bitterness dries up the bones. And if you know anything about med school stuff, where is blood manufactured? In the bones. Bitterness is toxic. And when you begin to justify a bitter spirit and you become a complaining person and you think you have been charged or you are now authorized to find anything wrong with anything that moves in your peripheral vision, wow, you are not in the will of God at all. You are not. Psalm 130 says, Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who can stand before you? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Makes sense. And someone who's bitter and someone who's negative. Did you know they convey the, Do you know how hard it is to worship when you hate God? Did you know that? How hard it is to sing those songs? It is hard to sing those songs when there is this, this, un, this unresolved bitterness inside of you. It's just hard. Look at part B here. This is fascinating. The people God is talking about. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab in Hebrew, Rahab with a V. That last B is actually a V in Hebrew. Uh, it's not the dotted bet in Hebrew. By faith, Rahab, Rahab, the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she'd welcomed the spies in peace. Something fascinating about the walls. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Jericho was built in 8,000 BC. For you historians, the walls, this is the, the oldest wall, the oldest fortified civilization in human history that's been discovered. These walls are the oldest walls discovered in human history, 8,000 BC. By the time Israel got there, all right, Right around 1405, 1404. You know how tall these, there's two sets of walls. The outer wall is about six feet at the base and roughly 12 to 15 feet high. The inner wall is up to 28 feet high. There's two walls around Jericho, not one, two. And when the walls came, when the walls came down, I'm telling you, both sets of walls came down. That is the only way the Israelites could literally climb over the rubble of two walls to get to the interior of the city for their, their conquest of the, of the promised land. And there is a harlot, Rahav, Rahab, who for, I'm not sure how it happened, I, 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 Holy Spirit, we're call it Holy Spirit Mason, got a hold of her heart and she saw something in the Israeli spies that entered through the main gate into Jericho. And she chose to give them shelter. By the way, her name means wide. Rahav in Hebrew means wide. She gave them a wide door of escape and she sheltered the spies. Okay, fascinating. So, here's some things. There is incredible power in worship. There's incredible power in obedience. People who are bitter, negative, they tend to have a difficult time in worship. That's obvious. 
Look at this. this. This is fascinating about people. I want to draw from Matthew 1 just for a bit. This is about the genealogy of Jesus. Does anybody recognize these four ladies? Is there anything peculiar about them and, and the fact that they're featured in genealogy that basically is all about males, not females? What about these five ladies? They should be scandalous. What's that? They're all, all of them have stories that center around sexual scandal. All of them. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was accused of a, of a scandalous affair with a Roman centurion soldier named Pantera, according to history by the Roman historian Celsus, and tried to spread the lie that that's how she got pregnant. The world has been fighting against the virgin birth. The world has been fighting against the resurrection of Jesus. The world has been fighting against Jesus and the church. No surprise, okay? No surprises at all. None here. But all of these ladies were involved with something scandalous. And yet they're included in the genealogy. Guess what? God uses people that that in, by, in, in many ways would be considered uh, unqualified. So look who God is talking about. God is talking about a nation of Israelis who chose to be obedient and were willing to do something from a military standpoint. It's silly to walk around as, as, as a city once, do it six times, and on the seventh day do it seven times and have trumpets blowing and start yelling. Is that a good military strategy? We would say, you know, no, of course, is there such a thing as military intelligence? That's an oxymoron for, for a lot of folks, right? Matt, you get it. You're grinning. But you're a soldier. Is it possible for military to have intelligence? Circling the city seven times and yelling? That's, that's how you win, you win a fight? And yet, you know, when it's God's will, there is not a wall or a barrier that can stop it. They had faith. They simply chose to believe. There's no wall too high or too wide. And you know what? There's no sin too bad to unqualify you from being useful to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We've got to settle up on this whole idea of faith. Does this make sense? So, in fact, this, this is interesting. Look at the people that God, God has used. God used... Rahab, a prostitute. Tamar, who became pregnant by deceiving her own father-in-law. Judah, this is the guy that sold his little brother Joseph to human traffickers. Bathsheba, the victim of governmental abuse of power. Ruth, engaged in a very questionable dating practice to get her man. That's exactly what she did. Adam and Eve, you know that story. Noah. A good carpenter and a bad drunk, Noah. Moses, a guy with anger issues. Like, really, he had anger issues. In fact, did you know that it was his temper that actually disqualified him from entering the promised land? He was a hothead. Joshua, a guy who can't finish what he starts. Did you know that Joshua's not mentioned here? He didn't finish what he started. He wouldn't. He didn't cleanse the land. Jacob, that guy's a liar and a cheat. 
David, a guy who was avoidant of his responsibilities, committed adultery, murder, and then lied to cover it up. Solomon, a guy who couldn't handle women in politics. Jonah, a guy who kept running from God. Martha, a controller who struggled with worry. Peter, he was a coward. And the Apostle Paul, based on the Greek text, got his kicks out of torturing Christians. I'm serious. The Greek text suggests Paul really felt justified and enjoyed punishing and torturing Christians. And yet God used all of these people, all of them. And what is the one single thing that allowed them to be usable with God? What is it? They had faith. They had faith. That's it. Just faith. And was it, was it this well-orbed, mature faith where we have our theology in a nice box and a nice pretty bow and we've worked it out? Is it that kind of faith? Is it the kind of well-crafted faith that only comes with a seminary education? Is, that, is it that kind of faith? Is it the faith that comes with gray hair and wisdom? No, not at all. It's simply the faith of a child, just simple faith. Very simple faith. So, Christchurch, um, Chris Perry, we are not beyond God's love. We are not beyond God's healing power. God uses unworthy people. God gives grace and mercy to unworthy people. God is ready to pour out grace and mercy and power on unworthy people who simply have faith like a child. If I could say it plainly, I would say by faith, we stop complicating the love of God with our need for control. Did you hear that? (laughs) Did you? Is your heart open to truth? By faith, we stop complicating the love of God with our need for control. So, Christ Church, you are the gifted body of Christ. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Two sets of walls fell down after being encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot, a woman of dishonor, disqualified by all your your average set of church rules, she's disqualified. And yet she did not perish along with those who were disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. She gave them a wide door of safety. She protected God's servants. For someone here who's in the bondage of bitterness, in the bondage of negativity and complaining, and they feel authorized to find something wrong with anything that moves, or they're in the bondage of being faithless, based on Hebrews 11, based on this simple text, how would you counsel us? How would you advise us on how we should live as the body of Christ when the mandate is clear? By faith, we pursue God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the substance of things not seen. You are the body of Christ. Speak as though God's spirit 
is speaking through you. How do we then live? Thank you, Michelle. I, th- I think you have wisdom. Uh, have you ever done what I have done? I have said, I, and I'm, can I just be transparent here? You know the m- millions of times I thought, Lord, if I could just see a miracle. And I'm not, I'm not picking on charismatics, okay? I've, I've begged God to speak in tongues. It's never happened. <laughs> I'll, ask, you know, I'll ask him again, dear Lord, please, you know, if there's more, I want it. Would you hear my heart? If there's more, I want it. It hadn't happened. Okay. I struggle with Spanish. <laughs> okay, come on, Lord. Is there something else, you know? I have said, Lord, if I could see a miracle, and I mean the miracles that the average charismatic church is not dishing out. If you notice, the average charismatic church sometimes can talk about miracles, but it's the stuff you can't measure. You know what I mean by that? You can't measure. I was healed and set free from a spirit of something. Okay, how do you put that under the microscope? You don't. You know, when Jesus did a miracle, you know what happened? The blind could see. Oh, that's obvious. The lame can walk. Hey, that's cool. Take up your pallet and go home. Tell mom and dad about it, right? The lepers are clean. This is, I'm talking about those kind of miracles, not emotionally driven stuff. I'm talking about the real deal. I've said, Lord, if I could see that, my faith would be muscled. That'd be great. And yet Michelle said, can you imagine seeing an ocean split in two and a wind? God just declares it so. It's dry ground. And 1.5 to 2 million people walk through dry ground. And then when the Egyptians try to go to the same way, multiple metric tons of water come crashing in and then destroy the best special forces that Egypt has to offer. Would that build your faith? Crossing on the other side? In, in a matter of a few days, you're going, hey, Moses, we're thirsty. We had water back there and cucumbers and leeks. Does anyone know what a leek is? Yes. No one knows. Who knows what a leek is? <laughs> you do. Rose knows what a leek is. What is a leek? We have onions back in Egypt. <laughs> Moses obeys God and water pours out of a rock that quenches the thirst of an entire nation. <clears throat> We're happy if we go to the fridge and there's a Coke left that someone hasn't consumed. I said, thank God there's a Coke in the fridge. <sighs> like, oh, that's a big deal, man. There's a Coke in the fridge. A, walk, a, a rock waters an entire nation. Manna from heaven. They see all these miracles, Michelle. And they waste so much time <coughs> struggling whether or not it's worth it to follow God. We better remember and I, have, and I have this idea that even if we could see the real cool ones, like the real ones, the real miracles, Lacey, it could be just a matter of time before we're 
I don't know, bored with God? Rick? I'm going to say, uh, throughout that passage, you talked about how these people, by faith, did something. Did something, yes. That's, that's the important point, that faith causes us, when we have real genuine faith, it causes us to do something. Rather than just you know sitting there simply believing, and in many cases, the opposite, where people will say, I better do this because if I don't, there are consequences. You know, that, that's a works mentality. But faith causes a change of life. And all of these individuals that you talked about, whether it was Paul, whether it was Moses, whether it was Joshua, whether it was David, their faith caused them to change their behavior. Do something. Yes, yes, Rick. So, Rick, are you saying that uh, faith is more than just posting something on Facebook or Instagram? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. <clears throat> Keep going. You're the body of Christ. Why does this matter? That walls can come down. A prostitute is accepted and recorded in this hall of fame of people of faith when there's many, many people that are not mentioned. Look who God's talking about. Look who he's not talking about. Someone else. Why does this matter? Pastor Chris, mm. could we argue that therefore faith is a lifestyle rather than a mindset? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Faith is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a way of life. It's not just, well, I thought about it. I didn't do it, but I, but I thought about it. You know, sure, for all of us that were content with that. Yes, sir, brother. Yes, yes, James 2. Now it says, faith without work is dead, just as the body without the spirit. Yes. Now, when we have faith, faith brings in the works. What work? Work of righteousness. Um, uh, which is the um, faith that um, Paul talked about. He said, the faith that brings righteousness. So it's that same faith that the, um, that the men of old, they had, that really drew them close to God. There are three levels of faith. Number one is just a general faith that we have in one another. The second one is the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. Number three is the next level of faith, which is called a gift of faith. And also there's faith as a fruit of the Spirit. So mm-hmm. two of those things go hand in hand in order. So the first one as a fruit of Spirit is what brings in righteousness. The second one as a gift of the Spirit is what makes men to do extraordinary things in which the men of old did. And that's the reason why uh, what's called Hebrews said a lot of things about that, that those kind of faith. Mm-hmm. So we must have this faith in hand in hand all the time so that we might be able to prevail in this time. And Paul even mentioned it as an arm of God. He said, take, therefore take him the what? The helmet of what? Of faith. So that you'll be able to quench the very dark of evil one. So faith is a substance of things that we not see, of things that come that comes in. And it's that kind of faith that God is looking for. A radical faith that in the presence of all things that will be able to stand. Mm. Is your name Joshua? Did you know in Hebrew, Hebrew Yeshua means Savior? Do you understand this? Yes. In Greek, it's Yesu. It's Jesus. Beautiful. Thank you, Joshua. You spoke truth. Thank you. Thank you very much. Someone else, why does this matter? 
Faith is not merely an intellectual exercise. It's not an idea you ascend to, a nice thought that you, you entertain. It's a life. It's a way of life. And it's the practical doing of something. Yeah, John. Hey, Brad. Hey, John. <laughs> Yes, waking up in the morning. Why aren't, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Up, you know, a tree growing, a flower springing up out of the ground. Yes. And those are things that would never happen apart from God. Yes. Making yes. it happen. And yet we, you know, our humanness wants to see something more. Yes. But if we saw that, and especially in this <coughs> day with modern medicine and what, yes. we find a way to explain it away, and we would want more. Yes. 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 Edie in Colossians, Paul writes that the universe literally is held together like glue through Jesus Christ. All things. This we're not flying off planet Earth because Jesus Christ holds this thing together. Absolutely, Paul writes in Him, in the Spirit, we move and breathe and live and have our being. Romans 1, the very creation of God speaks of the in, invisible attribute. Absolutely. From a jonquil that, that grows in the spring, cold, rainy, wet weather, there's a beautiful flower. Absolutely, Justin. Um, I was just kind of short, but um, I see it as, as something that's just part Because you're in the middle of it, right? You don't know how it's going to turn out. And then you can start to have ideas. 
Justin, you've answered well. You know, Jesus condemned some people because they said, you will not believe unless you see a sign. And that's a real questionable motive in faith. By the way, have you already noticed this morning this whole idea called perspective? Do you know that? We can have one's perspective like Edie's, childlike. Just very childlike. You should be able to see a jungle growing in a nasty, cold, Arkansas rainy weekend and go, behold, there is God. And then we've got other people here this morning, and I know you're here. You think God does nothing for you. Nothing. And you're mad at it. And you've got a big spiritual chip on your shoulder, and you have a hard time admitting it. And when you look at a jungle, oh, forgive me, you don't even see that there's a jungle. <laughs> okay? It's perspective. I'm telling you, bitterness and negativity... And, and faithlessness are blinding. They blind you to the grace of God. You can't see it like through the eyes of a child. You can't through it, see through it through the eyes of a scientist like Michael Behe, brilliant biochemist. His new book came, came out, Darwin Dissolves. Brilliant about science and faith. You can't see it on either perspective. It doesn't, you get what I'm saying? It's a hard attitude. And, and, and Caleb, unless we're broken inside, we're not going to see anything. Jesus made it really clear that there were Pharisees who had eyes but couldn't see, had ears but couldn't hear, had hearts, and they refused to believe. Does this make sense? We have got to make a decision. It's the Joshua 24:15. You've got to choose this day whom we're going to serve. So how about you? Let's do this. This is rhetorical, so don't, don't comment. Do you believe that you have, there's a barrier between you and your God? It may be a double-walled fortress, 26 to 28 feet high. Is there a barrier between you and your God? If there is... You can use, in 2 Maccabees, there's a comment written in chapter 2, verse 15, about the Israelites, and it says that the walls came down without any military strategy and without any engines of war. Okay? John had a point. When you come to the end of your intellect, when you come to the end of your abilities, and you've got nothing, now you're standing at the walls of Jericho. <laughs> you got nothing. This is where faith begins. When you don't have your own skill sets to figure this thing out, these kinds of things. Is there a wall between you and the will of God? If this thing is the will of God, it's life-giving that by faith, God can take those walls down. It's life-giving that you do that. Is there somebody here this morning, and I know there is, your sin habits, the, the ones that nobody knows about, 
you think makes you so dirty, makes you so unclean before God that you're not usable. You are usable. God simply says, take a step of faith like a child. And when that happens, those interior, you know, the walls on the inside that nobody sees and our habits that we wall up and hide, those walls can come down too. The outside walls and the inside walls that nobody knows about can come down by faith. By faith. But like Moses, we have to believe that it is better to follow Jesus than than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin in Egypt. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, the very substance of the stuff that we hope for. I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Abba, Father, Lord, there are people here who's they're overwhelmed that there are walls around them and they they can't make it over. I ask, Holy Spirit, move deeply in hearts Give them the courage to have faith. To believe that your will is worth doing and your will is worth believing in and your heart is worth trusting. For those like Rahab who have interior walls and interior problems and, and sin habits and lifestyles that we think we can't break from, free from, Would you take down those walls? And by your love and by your grace, would you please show them that by faith you will welcome them with open arms and you can use us. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, anybody here that's never put their faith in your son, Lord, draw them by your spirit. I pray that they would open up their hearts and they would, they would put their faith in you and be born again. Lord, we confess with our mouth that your son is Lord. We believe in our heart that you caused him to be raised from the dead. And we believe Abba, Father, bless. We're going to worship and it's going to be so exciting. And Lord, it's a, myst- it's a mystery in worship. But we love you and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.